Hello and welcome to On Walking the Way. This week we're going to continue our series in studying the Bible. We're going to look at a passage that covers the subject of being a living sacrifice. In previous weeks, we've been discussing Bible interpretation and inductive study, and you can check those out at some links I've put in the article. This week, I thought it might be useful to give a brief example of how the steps we discussed last week can be used in daily Bible study. Last week, I briefly summarized the main steps in studying the Bible inductively. Step 1. Discover the background of the book. Step 2. Observe what the text is actually saying. Step 3. Interpret the text through the eyes of the author and the original reader. And finally, Step 4. Apply the timeless truths of the text to our lives and our contemporary issues today. So step one for the letter of Romans is the background. The letter to the Romans was written around 57 AD by Paul. Under Claudius, the Jews were kicked out of Rome. However, at the time of this writing, Nero had assumed power and presumably allowed the Jews to return. This is confirmed by the fact that in this letter, Paul speaks to both Gentile and Jewish believers. Sometimes he speaks to them together, and other times he speaks to each group individually. Watch for this as you read Romans. It's helpful to observe the uh, identity of the people Paul is talking to, and it helps you to identify Paul's progression of thought through this book which is actually a letter. So, the text for today comes from the beginning of the 12th chapter of Romans, and since context is crucial for understanding, I will give it a two-minute summary of the book of Romans thus far. Chapters 1 through 3. Both Gentiles and Jews stand guilty before God, each in their own way. Jesus, through his sacrifice, justifies both Jews and Gentiles through faith. Chapter 4. Abraham was also justified by faith, making him the father of all those that believe, Jew and Gentile alike. Chapter 5. Through the righteous sacrifice of Jesus, death, which was brought into the world by sin ever since Adam, has been overcome. Chapter 6. Through baptism we're united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, the power sin and death had over us died with Jesus. And with his resurrection, we now also share a new life in Christ, which is no longer enslaved to sin and death. Chapter 7. For the Jewish believer, wondering how they can live in a new covenant when they are still bound to the old covenant, Paul explains that covenants are only in effect until death. The death they share with Jesus frees them from the Old Covenant, and his resurrection life frees them to enter into a new covenant by faith. Chapter 8. Though our flesh may still be weak, through the Spirit of God we are now empowered to live a life that was previously impossible as we wait for the coming of Jesus. Chapters 9-11. through 11, God has not abandoned the Jewish people but rather he has expanded his people to include all believers, Jew and Gentile alike. 
Paul gives a beautiful illustration in chapter 11 of a single olive tree with both natural and wild branches all attached through faith. Chapter 12 is now the current chapter, and here Paul begins to make his previous teachings very practical with advice on how to apply his previous teachings. So that's a bit of background and context. Now let's move on to step two, which is observation. So let's begin with a simple reading of the text. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul begins this passage with a therefore, which connects this appeal to all the things he has previously taught. In other words, in light of this gospel, I am begging you to think about your life like this. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Now remember, the temple is still standing and sacrifice is still practiced. So this image is a powerful one to the original audience, Jew and Gentile alike. A normal sacrifice was death for the sacrifice. It was a one-and-done process for the sacrificial animal. But our sacrifice is to be a living, ongoing sacrifice of our lives to God. This is acceptable to God, and it is the highest worship. Paul then contrasts being conformed to this world with being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Friendship with this world is not possible. It is one or the other, as this strong contrast shows. We either think like the world, or we allow the truth of God to transform us. But the transformation is not just in the mind. It is tested and realized by our lives. The rest of the sentence tells us that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So now that we've looked a little bit at what the text says, we're ready to interpret, which is step three. I think there are at least two important thoughts for the original readers of this text. One, their lives were brought back from slavery by the blood of Jesus, and therefore they do not own their lives. They belong to God from this day forward. And the second key takeaway is this. Knowing is not really knowing until it is put into practice and tested. It was not enough to be Jewish or not enough to believe facts about Jesus. True knowledge came from putting the truth into practice. True knowledge was tried and tested knowledge. If they wanted to know the will of God, they needed to put what they have learned into practice. So now we're ready to think about what this means today. Step four is application. In this particular passage, the message for today and the message for the original readers very much the same. The, the original readers had a lot of questions about the relationship between the Gentile Christians and Judaism. But that's not a particularly hot topic for today's church. 
The underlying concepts, though, do remain the same. So what are a couple of so-called timeless truths from this text? Well, one that comes to mind is because of the sacrifice of Jesus for us, our life is no longer ours to claim. We belong to God, and our highest worship is to live every day as a sacrifice to Him. Another timeless truth is that true knowledge is more than information. It can only be realized by putting that information to work in the actual world. So how do we personally apply the truths of this passage this week? The final and most important step of Bible study is finding a way to apply the truth into our everyday decisions and actions. There is a lot to consider in the short passage we looked at today. What does the understanding that our lives belong to God change about our priorities and plans for this week? Are we even asking the right questions when we wake up in the morning? If we are asking the right questions, what are we doing with the answers? Do we live like servants of the Almighty God? Do we submit our will to the will of God? And do we know the will of God? Ironically, by living out the truth we have learned from the Spirit of God through His Word, we can learn the will of God. So this week, let's set a doable goal. Let's act on at least one thing we have learned from God and take note of how it changes our life and our understanding as His will for us. This week, let's find at least one concrete way to demonstrate the gospel with our lives. Let's love in action and allow God to transform our transformed thoughts into transformed actions. And have a great week.